Welcome to another Cyber Readable podcast. Glad you can join us uh, for the podcast where we talk about everything about security and, and anything related. We're going to try to stay away from AI today. It's just this enormously fascinating topic that kind of keeps coming back. And, and it's really hard <laughs> not to, to read an article about it pretty much daily. Um, but today we're not going to talk about that. Interestingly enough, there probably is a, a sidebar about AI, you know, around this topic. But again, I don't think we'll talk about it today at all. So today we're going to talk about risk assessment and really focus on maybe how to get it going or how to do it better or more. And we'll share some of the stories and experiences that we have when we work with organizations around risk assessment. If you learn something today, if you like it, if you don't like it, please let us know. Uh, please share. Like and share is really the way that we get our name out there. We're not promoting products. We're not even promoting ourselves on this show. We're just sort of talking about our experiences. So, um, But we'd love to hear from you uh, if there are topics that you'd uh, like to hear from us, then you know, let us know. So, all right. Uh, with me in the studio today, I have my trusty sidekick, uh, Gina. And yesterday was Gina's birthday. So uh, everyone should say happy birthday to Gina. Woo-woo. She is... <laughs> Uh, anyway, I don't think you celebrated much, did you? You're busy moving in your house. Yeah, we're kind of in the midst of moving, and I got a bouquet of flowers. And my daughter sent me Ooh, yeah. a beautiful necklace from New Zealand. So that's kind of oh, sweet. that's sweet. Wait, is she back? Nope. She actually went to the post office, which is miraculous, and <laughs> sent it to me. So yeah, it was. It's that's lovely. so sweet. Beautiful. Well, good on you, Gabby, for doing that. And then uh, Scott, man, that's the way to do it, buddy. Uh, to all you guys out there, those little things, those those things are special. They mean a lot. Um, one thing, I just went to counseling yesterday and my counselor says, you probably heard about love languages, right? So so if, if love language, if, if your wife or your partner's love language is, I think it's like, is it gifts or something like that? I forget what the term is, but let's say that it's flowers. Make sure it's your wife's favorite flowers or your girlfriend's favorite flowers. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes he was like, oh, look at this beautiful, you know, bouquet of roses. And your wife loves lilies. <laughs> She'll be like, well, this is beautiful. This is nice. But you kind of just missed it, too. So <laughs> just a little tip to you guys out there. But little things like that matter a lot. Um, I've definitely uh, I, I pretty frequently when I go uh, grocery shopping, I'll swing by the flower store. And I'll pick up uh, um, flowers. And I know what my my wife's flowers are, the ones that she prefers. So I'll either get those or I'll get a bouquet where, where there's some lilies in it. She loves lilies. And um, I also don't do it every week. Like it's it's like it's like anything. It's got to be a little special. It's not special if you kind of do it. You know, hey, I got groceries. Here are your damn flowers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been down. I've been there, too. I'm like. All right, I bought flowers and they're laying on the counter. Yeah, I'll and I'm like, them. aren't you going to put those in a in a vase? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> so now I cut them, I put them in a vase, and I put them on the table, and then she feels like, oh, I got flowers. <laughs> if it's just like, hey, are you putting away the milk in the flowers? This is totally tangential, but it just reminded me because you know we we do have this house that we're about to move into and. It's all dirt yard right now. And so we'll be landscaping and stuff. Dirt yard. And one of the things that we loved during COVID that we just, so we're up in Northern-ish Colorado 
and um, and especially when everything was shut down, the one thing that we could do as a family is go to the tree farm and walk around the oh. tree farm. And uh -huh. it's inspiring to see these trees. Like, first off, let me just say the tree farm, and I guess it's Longmont, or I'm not sure where, what exact city it's considered. Mm -hmm. um, you know that drive five miles west, you know that song, the to the tree farm. Anyway, it's. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the jingle. I, do. I know you know the jingle. Um, you would not believe how inspired you are by all these beautiful trees that they take such good care of. And it's like everything's special. Like every, oh, that tree. Where could we put that? Oh, that tree. Where could we put that tree? Cool. They're just fantastic. If you ever are in Colorado and you don't have anything to do, I'm, I swear it sounds so stupid, but it's, it's really. It's like going to an amusement park? I would rather go to the tree farm than Disney. I can tell you that right now. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'll second that. Uh, Disney is kind of like, do I have to go again? I'd rather go to a podiatrist than Disney. I'll do a proctology exam exactly. uh, before I have to do <laughs> Disney again. Uh, you know, this is the part that boggles my mind. And here we are. I, maybe we'll get on topic here today. But uh, the, what boggles the mind is there are all these people that are just like crazy Disney nuts with, you know, like everything, including their car looks like Disney. And they have they have season passes to Disney. I'm like, I hope I don't have to go there in another five years because I wouldn't know what to do there. The the rides are shorter. Some of them are just so old. They they're not really renewing it. The lines are long and the food is terrible. And it's like, I don't know why you want to go there. Like I do not get excited by the place. Now I have I have little girls, so I get that they do, but it's even there. Like we went to Legoland not too long ago, and that was more fun than Disney and cheaper. Forever, my daughter growing up was like, oh, let's go to Disney. Let's go to Disney. I'd be like, well, wouldn't you rather go to the beach or whatever? And, yeah. and I always, I couldn't say to her, oh, Disney's horrible. Sorry, Disney. But, um. Well, until you're a client, we're going to, you know, throw you under every bus we can find. <laughs> but, uh, so then like a year or two ago, she went down to, I guess it was last summer. She went down to visit her friend kind of near you. And, oh, I remember and that. And they went to Disney and whatever. And. I was like, good for you, honey. Like, thank goodness I dodged that bullet, right? And um, <laughs> and she got back. She goes, well, I don't think I have to do that ever again. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I mean, I think there's an age where that's probably fun. But that's what, I, that's what I mean. It's like, I can see that there's an age where that stuff is fun and interesting. What I don't get are these people that are just like zealots, nuts about it. Like, they're, they're, there's this weird brand loyalty there. But it's like, why? Like, I don't get it. But anyway, all right. Um, speaking of proctology exam, um, let's pivot to, uh, it's a kind of risk assessment, right? <laughs> let's check if you have any risk yeah. back there. And that is the the topic for uh, uh, today, topic du jour. Uh, so it's about risk assessment, but we're not going to talk really about deeply about risk assessment. We're going to talk about a mechanism or a tool, if you will, to to help you in your risk assessment. So before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about risk assessment um, and some of the experiences that we've had working with clients or meeting with people. When we when we help organizations try to figure out, you know, what do they do, where do they focus their time, kind of strategy and those kinds of things, we often ask about, you know, do you do risk assessments? How often do you do them? You know, how do you do them? You know, are they consistent? Do you have a report? There are a bunch of things that we want to know about 
the practice, the process of doing risk assessment in the organization. And almost invariably, they do not do them, or they maybe do one or two, very few. And to me, this is a concern because both the environments, like if you have any sort of technology in your environment, there is some level of risk there, and it's good to know what it is. But for many companies, that environment is constantly changing, opening up, moving to the cloud, moving to SaaS solutions, you name it, like it's constantly changing. And, you know, unless it's not so obvious, anytime you change that environment, the risk is also going to change. Uh, some cases it's getting better going from a legacy, poorly managed environment to cloud, for example, might actually improve your risk significantly. Now that's also important to capture, right? So if you are making improvements, wouldn't it be great to like have some way of measuring that and being able to say, hey, look at these great things we just did. But so many organizations don't do risk assessments or if they do, then they do, you know, maybe like a HIPAA based risk assessment. Regulation requires it. So they go through this process. Maybe they even have some tool online that they use. It's it's not a great process. And our philosophy about risk assessment is you you have to do risk assessments, particularly of changes. So new projects, new initiatives. Um, your company is moving into the cloud or moving workloads to the cloud. Those projects should be assessed. Um, you're bringing in new solution. You should even assess those. The other um, thing that you should do is periodically assess what you already have. And we often recommend like, you know, figure out what your five or 10 critical business applications are, and then uh, think about when you're going to assess those. And it, even that can be a bit challenging or daunting to think about. Let's say you can come up with 10 critical applications. If you're a, let's say an airport, you might have applications that relate to um, the wireless network that passengers and, and customers are on or tenants, uh, you know, that have stores and restaurants in the, in the, in the airport, you might have a separate company that runs, you know, the buses or trains, you know, in the airport, you probably have lots and lots of systems. And then you've got, you know, tower and you've got movement on the ground of planes and vehicles and security systems and so on and so forth. There's a lot of stuff there. So in that environment, you know, you want to assess those systems that already exist there. And like I said, it probably in a, in a larger environment, isn't hard to come up with 10 systems. And then what do you do? Well, it, it can take a long time, uh, certainly with a limited staff to conduct a risk assessment. And so <laughs> what you might find is that if you come up with 10 systems, you might have to schedule those, you know, over a period of time. Um, I'll use 12 just because it's an easier number, but if you had 12 critical systems, you could basically decide that you wanted to test, you know, one system per quarter. And then over the period of three years, you would have gotten through those, those 12 critical systems. Um, you know, unless you have six critical systems, maybe you do uh, three a year or something like that. Or if you have eight, you know, you can do four a year and get it done in two years. The idea is that you kind of have this revolving process where you get some risk assessments done. And and I say, I say like, I think for most organizations, you know, having maybe four major risk assessments done in a year is, is probably all they can do, maybe not even that much. And so figure out kind of your capacity there to do those risk assessments um, and lay something out. So that's, that's one area. And, and then one more thing I'll kind of mention, which I think is a struggle for organizations, and that's a methodology. What risk assessment methodology do you use? Um, risk assessment, the term can be a little bit confusing or, or 
you know, it has many meanings. Uh, there's not a de facto, here's exactly what a risk assessment is. Google it and you'll see. And so there are different ways to essentially define a risk assessment. Um, in essence, I would say risk assessment is looking at a technology or a system and saying, you know, what's the data in it? Who has access to it? Um, you know, is it publicly uh, facing or is it internal? You know, does it connect to other things? Are there other things that are dependent on it? What is the software that it runs on? Maybe hardware. What segment of the network is it on? You know, there are a lot of things like that that you can look at and you're trying to find out how easy would it be for someone to gain access to it? it doesn't matter if the data in it is, you know, public information, maybe that's not so important. Could they disrupt the use of the system? If it's a critical system to your organization, then maybe it's not about the data, but it's about the availability of it. So those are all things that would go into that risk assessment. And if you find gaps, you want to report on them so they can be fixed. So that's kind of, you know, a, a very basic way to describe risk assessment. But the methodology might be something that you have to look at. Um, there are also frameworks that would help you kind of conduct a more broader risk assessment of the organization as a whole as opposed to a system. So there are things like that. So I think defining risk assessment for you and your organization is one of the challenges. And that's maybe also why we don't see so many of them. So typically, we'll go into an organization that might have, who knows, 20 to 40 different systems, many of them critical, and maybe they're doing one risk assessment, maybe two. And it's just it's just insufficient. And then on top of that, there might be, you know, anywhere from five to 130 projects, you know, in flight. And this is another concern. You've got all these things that are changing or connecting to or integrating or making data more available or making it more accessible remotely or, or whatever it is. And all of that kind of stuff, you know, either increases or might decrease the risk, but it's good to know. So the, 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 the process of risk assessment and, and, you know, everything from methodology to templates and all that kind of stuff is, is maybe a worthwhile topic for another podcast or a blog. But what I wanted to talk to you guys about today was if you do have an assessment process and you're trying to figure out, um, I got, you know, two guys, three guys, people um, on my team. And, you know, we've gone through and thought about this and we think we can do three, four assessments in a year. Which ones do you do? And, and I would break it into there's new projects and then there's existing systems. So maybe you take your capacity and split it into two. Um, for both, you can come up with a triage process, something that allows you to uh, determine which ones of those systems uh, or which ones are the projects that you might want to go after. Let's focus on the project stuff. So new stuff coming in, changes to your environment. Um, once upon a time, I worked with a, a group and the the guys there came up with this really detailed questionnaire to try to do this triage process. And one of the things that we found out was that uh, simply the terms and the definitions and the understanding of these sort of very security focused words and things that we talk about all the time didn't mean anything to anyone else. It was really hard for anyone else to fill out. And so what ended up happening is that that security questionnaire had to be filled out by a security person and you have to schedule time and, and all this kind of stuff. So um, what we ended up doing is coming up with a triage process where we can hand the triage process, if you will, or form off to a business analyst, uh, maybe a developer, or even a project manager to go fill out. So what we wanted to know is not necessarily whether, you know, the authentication mechanism was, you know, this, that way or another, or if they were using, you know, AES 256-bit encryption, 
those are things that we can figure out later. What we really wanted to know is, is this a risky system or a medium risk system or a low risk system? And, and this is all based on the assumption that there are more things to do than you have time in the day or, or in your week or quarter or year. And so we have to somehow triage. Now, in my mind, I think about um, the movie Pearl Harbor. If you've seen that movie, it's been around or it's a long time since it hit the movie uh, box uh, office. But um, in that, there's a scene right after Pearl Harbor is bombed where some of the some of the the nurse uh, stars and whatnot in the in the movie are sort of faced with this onslaught of people that have been hurt, you know, coming out of the harbor from the bombing, and they're feeling overwhelmed and, and don't know what to do. And one of the nurses walks up and pulls out a lipstick and says, "Go look at them and and put you know I think M for morphine. I forget what it was, but basically look at the patient and determine can they be helped." Are they basically so far gone, they're not going to be helped and just, you know, need morphine? And I think there was a third category. But basically, instead of trying to bring everyone into the ward, um, you know, go through and determine which ones can actually be saved and which ones are too far gone or or, or that then just need pain uh, medication so that, you know, they can pass in, in less pain. And this is similar to what we want to apply here. It's It's really giving someone that doesn't know security as well as we do. Uh, the ability to to say, okay, or, or even to collect information, actually, not even to make the judgment call, but to collect information that would allow us to categorize uh, these projects into high risk, medium risk, low risk. And so uh, what you can do is you can come up with several different criteria that would sort of drive risk. So for example, is it going to be public facing or internal? You can basically have a checkbox for that and, and a project manager, uh, a developer, a business analyst will be able to answer that. Is it going to be, you know, a lot of systems uh, or sorry, is it integrating with something? You know, uh, there are a lot of questions that you can come up, but for example, will it contain PCI data? If you're in the retail space and you're collecting credit cards, you know, is, is it part of that? So is it part of your PCI scope? Uh, if you're in healthcare, you know, will it have healthcare data? Uh, will it touch on healthcare systems? You know, does it kind of fall under the the scope of, of protected health information, PHI, and so on and so forth. If you are collecting information on consumers, there's a privacy component now. So that might be something that you want to understand is like, is it collecting information or, or whatnot about consumers that would have a privacy impact? Um, might mean that they need a privacy statement. It might mean that they need um, a way to remove the data later if, if, they're, if you're collecting stuff. Um, how many people are going to be using it? If this is a system that one person in finance is going to be using and it's on their desktop and whatever, you know, low risk, low impact, low likelihood. These are all things that you can probably easily assess. But what we want to do is we really want to turn the ability to uh, do that assessment over to somebody else. So we kind of have to keep these questions light. And I'd come up with something like 20 questions, maybe even 10 that you can kind of go through uh, and fill out. So it's all of this kind of stuff. Um, once you've, once you've assembled your questions, you can go through and add numbers to them. So yes, here adds, you know, certain, uh, point, you know, whether it's a single point or, or a scale of points, but let's say maybe every question can, can add anywhere from like, you know, one to 10 points. And you can kind of weight those and all the person that fills this out has to do is really check the box for, you know, the, the area or the category that you're asking about. And then you add up the points. Uh, at the end. And then the point score 
you know, puts it into a high, medium, or low, or even, you know, I've had four categories uh, on some of these triage spreadsheets. But the to kind of summar, summarize it up, you want to have questions that you don't have to be a security expert to to be able to determine. Um, you want a manageable number, you know, 10 or 20 questions. You want them to be scored so that uh, you go through and, and add up, you know, the the yeses and nos, or, or sometimes there might be options, you know, uh, within each category that you you add. And you add up that score and you put those scores into essentially bands that relate to risk. If you can do this and you can make a simple uh, Word or, or PDF or some sort of a form like that, or even better, you could probably do this online with like a Google Forms tool where you just have them sort of go through. You can email them the link and say, fill this out, click, 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 and it'll add it up for you. Now you have a way of triaging all those projects into high risk to medium to low risk. And what that does for you is now you've got a smaller group of projects that you have to then sift through and decide which ones you're going to do a risk assessment, assuming that there are more than you can handle in a year or in whatever period we're looking at. So, so this is a way, hopefully this is helpful, and we'll try to provide an example of this uh, for you guys to see um, how you can do sort of a simple risk triage process. And again, part of the job here, part of the objective is to make something simple that you can then provide to other people that are tied to this project um, to do so that you're not doing that, you're not consuming more time. And then, you know, keep in mind, they might not fill it out perfectly. Um, but the triage is not the risk assessment. You're really just asking them to provide information and use that to determine riskiness. So you can always go back over it and and you know change uh, the 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 values that they put in there, change the checkboxes. So if you don't agree with what they put in, you can change it. Like this isn't the the final result. It's really just a way to put things into buckets so you can more easily manage them. And then if you wanted to. You could use the the scoring number itself to prioritize which projects you go after and do a risk assessment of. You know, if there are five projects that come into that high risk category, maybe look at them and see which are the categories um, within the triage process that you know brought the number up. You know, maybe that helps you decide, or simply the score itself. You know, let's say it's out of a hundred and you've got you know eighty four and you know seventy two and you know who knows uh, some other number in there. Maybe just you know. Do the 84 one first because that's the highest risk based on that triage process. And then go do your risk assessment. If you can do one risk assessment a quarter of any of these projects, you're doing really good and you'll get some experience and you'll be doing it faster and so on and so forth. So there, that's it. That's all I got for you today. Hopefully you find that valuable, um, that approach. Um, I think it's definitely a way to manage risk in your organization and then if you're struggling with the process itself, there are lots of good sources out there, um, but feel free to comment or ask questions. Or if you, can, if you have ideas yourself, you know, put it in the comments and then reach out to us if you have questions. This is certainly something that we can help with. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, attending another Cyberitaville podcast where we talk about all things security. We love you guys. Thanks for, uh, for hanging out with us. And uh, if you got some value out of this, please share. Share it with your friends and uh, like and, uh, you know, give us some comments back. Everyone have a good one.